0: And now it's time for Letters to Hong Kong with Fernando Chang, Labour Party legislator representing the Social Welfare Functional Constituency. The following program is a personal view program. Dear Poi Lam, it's only a few days before Carrie Lam, the chief executive, will announce her second policy address. It is now clear that we should expect nothing from her in the development of democracy. Just last week, we commemorated the fourth anniversary of the Umbrella Movement. The movement marks the most forceful outcry for a genuine democratic political system in Hong Kong. However, it did not result in any changes, and the government has promised nothing. On the contrary, Beijing seems determined to hold an even tighter grip of Hong Kong. The rejection of visa renewal of the Foreign Correspondents Club's vice president is yet the most recent indication that China is willing to sacrifice Hong Kong for complete political control. The road to political reform has hit a dead end. What is Kerry Lam's vision for Hong Kong? Without any rooms for political reform, we would expect the chief executive to try to make a difference in livelihood issues. For example, Hong Kong has been suffering from extreme high cost of housing for more than two decades. The situation has gotten much worse in recent years, despite all the political rhetorics. The culprit is obviously the high land premium policy. Is Kerry Lam ready to tackle this problem face-on? Obviously not. Although we all know the crux of the problem is land distribution, LAM is initiating a debate on how to increase land supply. LAM attributed all evils to the lack of land supply. However, without a transparent plan on land utilization, and given that the developers have a much larger land bank than the government's, it is obvious that they will be laughing all the way to the bank by lambs-taking a private-public partnership approach in land development. If you ask anyone in the street, if he or she is confident that the government will make our housing more affordable, chances are you won't find anyone having that confidence in the government. Longer and longer queues for public housing And more and more people living in subdivided units is the accepted reality. What about medical services? Our public hospitals are completely overwhelmed. Hospital wards are more crowded and chaotic than wet markets. Waiting time for a specialist outpatient clinic or scan-based testing appointments is measured in years. Elderly patients who suffered from strokes or serious falls are usually asked to leave the hospital without much rehabilitation. Very often, they are sent to low-quality private care homes directly because waiting time for government-funded care homes is more than three years. Last year, we had over 6,000 failed elders died while waiting for these homes. Lem's first policy address promised to increase the services by just 260 places this year. The queue grows longer and longer each year. According to Dr. Law Chee Kuang, the Secretary for Labor and Welfare, we need to build 40 care homes each year for the next 10 years in order to clear the queue. In reality, we are building two or three each year. Waiting time for care homes for the disabled is even worse. My daughter, Vivian, is assessed to be intellectually disabled in the severe level. Waiting time for care homes that serve her is 17 years. I would never send my daughter to these homes for as long as I can take care of her at home. But I have succumbed to the fact that I may lose that ability eventually. Therefore, we have reluctantly put Vivian on the queue for care homes earlier this year. By the time she would get a place, I would be 78. Just what kind of public service is this? Care homes for the most severely disabled person are so essential, yet they have to wait for such a long time. Is this the way to treat the weak and the old? In the meantime, the government allows low-quality private care homes to flourish. In fact, private for-profit homes account for about two-thirds of the total supply of aged care homes. The legal requirements for such homes are 6.5 square meters per resident, with a staffing ratio of 1 to 60 during the evening shift. That's right. Our frail elderly deserves only to live in an area that is smaller than a parking space for a car. And we consider one staff is able to care for 60 frail elders in care and attention homes. In addition, no nurses are required in these homes, let alone therapists or social workers. No wonder a recent study conducted by local academics revealed that 70% of elderly care homes' residents are being restrained at various levels. Those who suffered from cancers and rare diseases are urgently in need of effective medicines. Sadly to say, many of these medicines are not accessible to patients because they cannot afford them. Understandably, medicines developed for cancers and rare diseases are much more expensive than others. With a limited budget and cost-effectiveness as the guiding principle, expensive drugs are always low in the priority in entering the hospital authority's drug formulary. Although last year, I recommended a $20 billion dandelion fund to the chief executive for financing these medicines. It has fallen on deaf ears. As for our children, one in four live in poverty. More than 4,000 children are without care from the family. At any time, 400 to 600 of these vulnerable children are waiting for residential care. The average waiting time for group homes for the intellectually disabled children, for example, is almost three years. Due to the lack of residential services, at any point in time, between 30 to 70 children who are without medical needs but are stuck in acute hospitals, Dr. Law admitted, that subsidized childcare services for children under two years old have decreased from 1,530 places in 1996 to 747 places today. Parents have to apply for these services with an ultrasound picture of their few months old fetuses. Still, most are turned away because of the lack of services. Poilam, you may wonder. What sort of a world-class city are we? With over a trillion dollar fiscal reserves and being ranked second in the world in public reserve per capita, what is in the way of providing better care for the most needy? Kerry Lam has spent over 30 years in high offices, including the Director of Social Welfare, the Secretary for Development, Chief Secretary, and now the Chief Executive. Just what is in your way, Carrie, in helping the most vulnerable citizens of Hong Kong? Or do you have our citizens in mind at all? These will be my questions for her next week. Sincerely, Fernando